And I think this is part of the risk assessment is you're saying, okay, where am I vulnerable? When we're talking about protecting our cash at bank or our operational capital and also our earnings, what are the things that can bring me down? You know, And I think that's for you to kick back probably on a Saturday afternoon after you've mowed the grass and just go, right, I'm just going to have a think about, like Max said, think about and, and undertake a risk assessment of my business and how I'm going to manage the risk going forward. I'm going to identify my vulnerable p- position. Some of those vulnerabilities you can't remove. You've got to live with those vulnerabilities. How do I manage the vulnerability? That's what I'm talking about today. How old are you going to be before you start to experience life like you want it? I want to tell you right now, whether you like it or not, there is a better way to do business. Hi everyone, welcome to the Business for Builders uh, podcast. Welcome to you if you're in YouTube land. Hope you're having a good morning or good afternoon um, and that life is is good for you. Hey, uh, as usual, like and subscribe, all that kind of wonderful stuff. Be sure to leave comments below. Um, I'm sort of getting my YouTube comment game together. I've been a little bit laxy-daisy in that regard, but uh, my apologies. But uh, going forward, I seem to have an improved system to, uh, to get back to you. So if you've got any questions, uh, be sure to drop them in the comments and uh, I will get notification of that and uh, promptly respond. Okay, uh, the other thing is the uh, Business for Builders VIP uh, private group, Facebook group. Uh, be sure to get over to that. If you're a good sort, I'll let you in. And, uh, you know, we're trying to develop a really good uh, community, some collaboration and, of course, some good information that's going to sort of help you. So, uh, yeah, I think we need to bust out a few more whiteboard sessions. So uh, if you've got any things that uh, you would like me to, to cover off in more detail on a whiteboard, be sure to hit me up on email, max at businessforbuilders.ca, so that I can, uh, you know, think about that and uh, get that on the board for you. It just takes a little bit of work to set up uh, all the camera gear and uh, and get that sort of uh, recorded, but we can do that. So, uh, yeah, if you've got any suggestions or you've got some things that are a little bit grey, I'd uh, be happy to sort of uh, see if I can't put something together for you. Okay, today, this morning, this afternoon, wherever you're at, um, we're going to, uh, well, I'm going to chat to you really quickly about risk management. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that we we, we think about, uh, you know, in the back of our minds, but we don't really, we haven't got a, a lot of definition around why it is that we do what we do. and and what is it that we're trying to avert? So I'm all for being, you know, I've got a pioneer spirit. I love to go out there and forge new territory. Um, I've got a high appetite for risk. Uh, I tend to maybe act first and uh, and think about it second sometimes, a little bit impulsive perhaps. Um, but the flip side of that is that there is, I do have a very uh, a high respect for uh, trying to avoid any kind of uh, calamity uh, if I can. Um, so I, I think you don't know enough when you start out, particularly if you're a young guy or gal in the contracting business. There's so much to know, it's almost impossible to download that information and just go, right, I've got it sorted. Uh, it comes from experience. I know uh, based on failure is where I've probably learned the most valuable lessons um, that cost me money, period. So I may not have gone to university and got a you know uh, you know some sort of business degree, but I'm paying for it now, and that's just the way it goes. I don't regret that. Um, uh, I was never going to be a classroom academic type. 
And so this is the path that I've chosen and I've just got to deal with it, which is okay. So uh, risk management, that's what we're trying to do is to manage risk. So risk management is the process of identifying, assessing and controlling financial, legal, strategic and security risks to an organization's capital and earnings. Uh, That was just a quick uh, Google search. That wasn't uh, from anywhere special. Um, but that's what that's essentially what it comes down to is we've got to identify, assess, and control. And so, you know, as much as, you know, boy, uh, my mind's running because, you know, there's so many guys and gals that we have in our on our projects in the way of subcontractors and, and vendors that you, you obviously want everything to just go perfectly. And uh, maybe your jobs go perfectly, but my jobs don't quite go perfectly um, sometimes. And uh, it's got a lot to do with the human resource that's on site. And sometimes they're good people just having a bit of a brain fart. Uh, but sometimes they're not good people. And, uh, you know, we've got to get rid of them and, and get them replaced. So, uh, you know, we, we're trying to identify all the areas that uh, are going to uh, compromise our position uh, financially, uh, both in our capital or cash at bank, as well as our earnings going forward. So the first thing that I've got here. Um, so as a general contractor, the several risk management measures you can take to protect your contracting business. Here's a couple of them. I've actually got seven. So we'll uh, punch through some of them pretty quickly. But uh, I dare say that we will ha- get hung up on a couple uh, because they're kind of my, I don't know if I've got a pet hate for them, but uh, I, I've got definitely, I focus a lot on contracts. So that's one of them. So number one, so uh, obtain the proper insurance coverage. That should be fairly basic. Uh, you, if you're in business for yourself, you're going to have to have your general commercial liability insurance. You've got to have your occupational health, uh, health insurance or health insurance, OH, OHS, occupational health, OSHA. Yep, if you're in the states, uh, here in British Columbia, it's WCB. It's it's work work safe BC, work cover, work safe BC. And so you know you've got to make sure you've got policies established with with both of those as a minimum standard. Um, you know, I know that like even real estate agents, some of their insurances, they have an errors and omissions insurance. Uh, so if they forget something or leave it out or make an oversight, then there's some insurance policies for that. I had a buddy who was doing uh, shout out to Benno. Uh, I think he's in, uh, I don't know where he's in New South Wales now. Um, he, he was a home inspector and he had uh, personal or indemnity insurance to ensure that if he made an oversight, uh, he didn't get wiped out by claim. So um, proper insurance coverage for your building company is, uh, you know, super important. You've got to make sure it's adequate as well. Obviously, vehicle insurance goes without saying. Um, you know, something, anything that protects your business against a claim is super important. Um, so that workers' compensation insurance, your uh, general commercial liability insurance, and of course, property insurance as well. So obviously we rent this office space. Um, we have got what we call contents insurance. We don't cover we don't cover the building. That's covered by the landlord. Uh, although I do have the upgrades that we made inside the office covered. Um, so the improvements have been covered as well. So okay. So obtain and maintain good or proper insurance coverage. Number two, maintain proper documentation. So everything that you've got in the way of paperwork, and I'm. You know, obviously, old school was having reams and reams of paper printed out on file. These days, it's more like a Google file or it's a you know a Dropbox. Uh, I think that's super important uh, because the maintenance and the storage of that information, whether it's digitally or whether it's uh, manually, uh, and I would I would say that anything you've got uh, physically, you probably should you, you know you should have <clears throat> you should have digitally stored in the cloud as well. 
Uh, don't be too much of a tight ass. Make sure you're paying a little bit of money to Dropbox. I know we do, and that gives us a lot of storage capacity. So um, make sure that you've got the ability to be able to pull on that information in the event of a uh, clarification required or a dispute uh, or anything that needs reference. So you've got to be able to have that organized fairly well and at your fingertips. Right, point number three. Uh, this has got to do with, you know, uh, the the procurement of services from vendors uh, or subcontractors or employees, and that's, that's background checks. So um, a company that we use for our background checks is called Reliable, and uh, you really want to know, you know, and of course we do criminal and financial and check, make sure they're not on the, uh, you know, the terrorist watch list, that sort of thing, particularly for, you know, your, your team or your employees. I do it for franchisees that we're going to introduce into the system. Um, vendors, I don't know about vendors. I think you could probably go a different route to do sort of background checks. But uh, yeah, but definitely, definitely for your own team. Uh, you might consider doing proper background checks. And look, you know, if you have an employee that comes to you and they've got, you know, names on the resume, uh, you, you could ring them, but obviously they've put them on that on that resume or that CV for a reason. Um, you know, a good question might be, and of course recruiting is, you know, recruiting process is, a, is a, just a complete different beast all by itself. But, you know, you could ask them, well, who, who have you had um, some, some run-ins with? Uh, you know, who are some people that, you know... I, you just, I just can't believe people have such a perfect resume. Uh, look for gaps in the resume. That's always a red flag. It's like what's going on but for those two years that you haven't included in your resume or you're applying for a job with me now, but what happened to the two years uh, you know, that has just gone? What happened with that, em that employer? Um, that's always good questions to ask. So um, you really want to make sure that uh, the people that you have on your team that are representing your brand are... Uh, reliable and trustworthy. Okay, number four is implement safety protocols. You've got to have, uh, you've you've got to have an awareness there because I think too often what we find is our our team and even subcontractors and certainly vendors walk onto building sites and you know if you're not making them aware of your safety protocols, um, the potential or the risk for um, something to be uh, you know something to go wrong or someone to get hurt is is there. It's a building site after all, um, and so. You've got to make sure that, you know, as a basis. And I think uh, I think someone asked me on, maybe it was a YouTube comment about, hey, what do you, oh, actually, no, it was in the VIP, it was in the B4B VIP Facebook group. They asked, what do you do for safety signage? And I've taken a photo of one of the jobs where we've got safety signage and I've meant to uh, actually upload that to B4B, which uh, remind me to do that after this recording. And, um, and so, you know, that's the basic, that's the first thing that you see when you get to one of our jobs. Um, and then, of course, you've got to make sure cleanliness and there's no trip hazards and make sure scaffolding is secured correctly. Uh, make sure if there's any open, you know, pits that you've got, you know, the proper signage and the proper hoarding around those, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, you've got to, un see, if you don't know what the what the dangers might be and you just go, you just rip off and start digging trenches for, you know, running, running uh, waste and water services or whatever the case may be, then what you're going to find is that something will happen then something will will devastate your business, and you may not recover from from that incident. Um, you know, so you, you've got to be careful that uh, you know. Certainly, another a risk to your business is inter inter you know t let's say inter team or inter employee or inter staff type of conflicts. Um, you know, if there's if they've got management and then they do something to an employee that compromises, you know, that maybe is an overstep, maybe it becomes, a, you know, a civil rights issue. You've got to be careful about that. 
Um, and so, you know, safety is not just on the building site. It's certainly in amongst the, the, the people that you work with. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, implementing safety protocols for safe working environments for your workers um, is there to minimise the risk uh, and uh, of accidents and injuries. Okay, number five, develop clear contracts. Okay, so this is a, this is a big one for me because, uh, you know, recently we did a podcast on um, – uh, subcontracts and purchase orders. And that was a bit of an eye-opener in recent times to me because I was always a believer in POs, 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 no problem. But the subcontracts for our subcontractors um, certainly was an important, that was an important episode. And that's only a couple, couple, two or three, um, uh, that you know, ago that we did that. So get onto that one and have a bit, check that one out. That was POs and uh, subcontracts. But you want to make sure all your contracts and agreements are clear, uh, well-written with specific terms and conditions that protect your business um, interest. You know, if you talk to your legal counsel and look, I think if you're going to build a one, two, three, four, five million dollar business, you have got to have a uh, direct line to legal counsel who, who understands or who does help you develop these types of contracts. Uh, I know you can jump on a thing called Law Depot and uh, they can, you know, put together some service agreements except what you do is you trust what that thing puts out, but there might be one line in that that can actually cost you thousands of dollars. And so this is why I think um, going around, my advice is everything to do with, you know, specifically for my fixed price building contracts, for my uh, in-house employment agreements, um, and even my subcontracts, I would definitely consider chatting with my legal counsel um, about you know how to construct those to protect the interest of you know the, and and really look after my business and protect my business, um, and so you know if you're running a cost plus because we we see it you know we we have it stipulated so we take a risk when we do fixed price contracts but um, you know what I see a lot of guys doing cost plus you've got to understand that even though there's a cost plus contract matter of fact I was listening to another podcast and a guy talked about doing a cost plus contract ironically it was for a lawyer. And uh, they had uh, a bit of a uh, a bit of a conflict over about two hundred and fifty grand, and he got advice from his lawyer, and he literally walked away from quarter of a million bucks on a cost plus. Now, is that a problem with cost plus? I am not going to sort of say absolutely it is, because I'm sure there's a lot of guys that feed their families, a lot of gals that feed their families quite well off the back of using cost plus contracts. Uh, however. What I want to do is I want to show as much diligence as I can. So I do a lot of the work in the design and quote phase, which is why we use our quantity takeoff service program. Uh, make sure that we've got everything detailed in black and white. And then when we go to contract, here's also the payment schedule. So there is no blind sides. There is no ambiguities. There's no gray area. It's black and white. Um, and just a side note, so this will make a good snippet for a bit of a return of serve. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a video that we just put out there on TikTok about, I don't know, a week ago. Um, and it's doing okay. But, uh, you know, I talked about how that, okay, the worst thing for me as a builder is when someone's like, oh, Max, I thought that was included. Now, um, I was using that as an example because, uh, you know, it's happened to me in the past and based off the back of that, I've then improved systems. So, yes, we have a, for all those all those guys and gals giving me a hard time, um, there is a specifications which includes or has a list of inclusions and exclusions and it makes reference to floor plans and the interior design package. So it's very uncommon for me today to have clients come to me and say, Max, I thought that was included uh, because of my diligence as I go through the sales and quoting and design phase 
uh, and then into construction, it becomes, you know, it's a fairly simple process. So that that comment that I made uh, or the snippet that was pulled out of, you know, my last one of my last podcasts about, you know, how I, uh, it's, it's not something that I want to hear where a client comes to me and says, that is, uh, I thought that was included. That, that happens very rarely now. Um, but I'm sure that there's a fair amount of my audience that has probably been in that situation and they ask themselves, hey, what do I do? So, um, you know, I, thinking, I, I think developing the clear contracts is one part of that, but certainly doing the due diligence and being very uh, uh, detail-focused in the design and quote stages, using something that, that like we call or we use called a quantity takeoff service where we get paid for that service uh, in the design and quote phase um, and then have a, a well-written contract making sure your specifications are really organized in categories. And just a side note, because um, I'm not going to talk about estimating, even though est- you wouldn't say, oh, estimating sounds like, you know, it doesn't sound like you'd use that for risk management. I want to tell you that you've got to design your estimate in, in categories and line items so you can produce purchase orders off the back of those categories and line items for your different trades. So don't go grouping uh, electrical rough in and, uh, and finishing together because that's actually two separate scope of work. So I think you can avoid the oversight in your costing process by being more micro in your estimating process. Now, if you're doing regularly doing kitchens, bathrooms, basements, then you should have templates set up whereby you don't have to go and type in the same thing all the time every time you do an estimate. It should be something where you just go select kitchen estimates, select main floor renovation uh, estimates, select basement uh, estimate templates. That's what I'm talking about, templates. So that will also help you in your uh, uh, reduction of uh, the blowouts in your costing overruns because you yourself uh, have included it or excluded it, and uh, and maybe the cot you've included the line item, but not the cost amount, that sort of thing. So, uh, just uh, that that will help too. So, develop clear contracts. A little bit of a bit of a diversion there, uh, because your your list of specifications uh, is should be attached or a part of or an addendum to or an appendix to to your building contract. And so, I would expect that to be written up very clearly as well. Okay, number six, monitor your projects. Most building companies that I know that have failed is down to lack of supervision and and management oversight. Um, I've seen it firsthand when I've helped one of my guys. He had a project manager who we trusted implicitly. And then when we got out to building sites and had a look around and had a look at the state of the union, um, it was was far from organized. So uh, monitor your projects closely, identify uh, potential risks and address them before they become major problems. Um, you know, when I when I do project management, just on a side note, I was actually having to think I should do a project management course um, and just try and figure out, you know, what are the what are the the major pillars of project management that makes you a good project manager. But I really have to when I go onto a site, it's I don't want to start the next phase of play until I've completed this phase of play. Now I'm okay with overlaps between scope of work and trades, not a problem. Um, you know, we can have some things that happen on a job site simultaneously. Most of the guys and girls have been around construction would know that. That's pretty straightforward. However, on a small residential renovation, and when I say small, I'm talking over 100 grand. Like it's a main floor. It'll it'll include, you know, three bathrooms and a kitchen and a main area and, and maybe, you know, a little bit of the basement or what have you. But um, you've got to make sure that you are compartmentalizing each stage of play, Um and you've then got to be very preemptive in your uh, ability to stage and to uh, 
schedule the deliveries and the labour uh, because if you do get that right, that really goes a long way to executing the project uh, in a very happy fashion. So uh, I think the failure for a lot of building companies is lack of supervision. I think what building company owners want to do, and I see this, the transition between a one-man band and and you know having a team of people uh, whereby you're relying on their eyes on your job, spending your money, uh, it lets you down. I see, I see, I see that as the detrimental impact on your business. So when you have entrusted someone to monitor and manage that project and they don't, and you don't monitor and manage them, that becomes a problem because once it gets away, it's really difficult to claw that operation back. As far as, okay, now we've got Cock Up Central, how do we rectify it? And I'm telling you, if you've got two or three of those projects because he's either left or you've just fired his stupid ass, then you've got your, you've got your work cut out because you've now got to stop one or two jobs to focus on a job because all of your effort needs to go into that to remedy the, the cock up. And so uh, it can be a challenge for you mentally and emotionally. And this is why you, I, I recognize that you're only a human. I'm only a human. We have our limits. Our bandwidth is only so much. And so I think that building companies fail, not just because of financial collapses, although that is the, the visual outcome, but I think where the visual collapse starts is in the lack of supervision of your projects. Now, if you've got a PM or a supervisor out there, great. Make sure you're supervising the supervisor, correct? You understand? Do that, and that will give you. So every morning, bounce around to your building sites. I know when I leave my home, I can be on one job, two job. The other job's a little bit out of town, so I might go out there and start. I might meet my guy out there at you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then I'll do the run around uh, and the jobs that are local, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the office. So... Make sure you're supervising your supervisors and monitor the projects. Talk to the clients. Talk to the subtrades. Look for the areas where there's conflict because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to manage the risk. If I have a, a subcontractor walk off site, that's going to cost me money. If I have a material uh, oversupply, that's just cost me money unnecessarily. If I have uh, a client that decides they want to change something and it should have been done three months ago or three weeks ago, it wasn't done, that's going to cost me money. Even if the client pays for it, I've got to time out and stop my building schedule and then I've got to go back and maybe pull drywall off because they actually need the new lights installed and I've got to put some rough wiring in or more outlets or whatever the case may be. There, that's just, you know, so this is, that's, you've just got to maintain a high level of communication between all stakeholders, clients, subcontractors, vendors, and your team, of course. Uh, and also, you know, peripherally, you've got to keep talking to your legal counsel if it needs to be, and you've got to keep talking to your accountant specifically and uh, maintain your bookkeeping standards with your bookkeeper. Okay, so that was monitor your projects, number six. Number seven, develop a contingency plan. This is the last one. Um, I think you've got to have a contingency plan that outlines the steps you'll take in case of an unexpected uh, event or interruptions, things like weather-related delays uh, and, of course, supplier failures. We've had those more recently, um, but they are getting better. So you've always got to have a little bit of a plan B in your back pocket. Um, you've got to have a backup, and some people will even, even subscribe to having a backup to the backup. So, you know, you've got to know that where is my vulnerabilities? And I think this is part of the risk assessment is you're saying, okay, where am I vulnerable? When we're talking about protecting our cash at bank or our operational capital and also our earnings, what are the things that can bring me down? You know, and I think that's for you to kick back probably on a Saturday afternoon after you've mowed the grass and just go, right, I'm just going to have a think about, like Max said, 
think about and and undertake a risk assessment of my business and how I'm going to manage the risk going forward. I'm going to identify my vulnerable position. Some of those vulnerabilities you can't remove. You've got to live with those vulnerabilities. How do I manage the vulnerability? That's what I'm talking about today. So by taking measures, you can reduce risks that are associated with your contracting business and protect it from potential losses and legal issues. Um, don't forget to uh, leave your comments below, uh, like and subscribe, all that kind of beautiful stuff. Shoot across to uh, the Business for Builders Facebook private group, the, uh, the B4B VIP Facebook group. Um, it's a good community there. And uh, if you want to email me, max at businessforbuilders.ca, shoot me a question. And make sure uh, if you've got any things you want me to uh, go across or cover on the whiteboard, happy to do that. Check out some of those videos on the B4B VIP Facebook group. Um, and that'll give you a bit of an idea as to what I can do. And uh, just shoot me a subject matter that you might want me to cover and I will jump on the whiteboard and we'll pump out a few of those for you guys and girls as well. Go build a kick-ass business. See you on the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.